This week on the Habs Forum, after a long week off after the sweep of the Winnipeg Jets, the Canadians finally play uh, against the Golden Knights in the conference finals for the first time in uh, in, in a while. It's been a while since they made the the, the top four. Uh, didn't go exactly as we hoped. They started out strong, uh, but in the end, uh, Vegas was just uh, too much for them to handle. It's only down one nothing, but. They're down one nothing, so it's uphill from here uh, for sure. So we'll go, we'll go over the game and what we think is going to happen in the, the the rest of the series, like the positives, what needs to change uh, moving forward. So I've got a few Twitter questions. That also, as always, at the Habs Forum on Twitter, give us your comments, give us your questions. Uh, we always love uh, addressing the uh, those. Some uh, unfortunate news: Otto Leskinen, we found out today, uh, is uh, going to Finland. So we'll touch on that, and uh, we have a name for the ECHL, ECHL team in Trois Rivières. It's going to be the Lions with a sick logo, and they also announced uh, the coach. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But first, Dustin, tell us where our sponsor is. The Habs Forum is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 4.0 and the rest of the All-Star lineup at Manscaped.com. Use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. Exciting stuff, guys. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's get right into it. So like I said, obviously not what uh, HABS fans uh, wanted to see out of the first game. But like, I mean, here's the thing. They had won seven games in a row. It's not like the Canadians were going to run through everyone on their way to the Stanley Cup by winning uh, what would it be like 15 games in a row. Like obviously they were going to lose some. You just don't love losing the first one, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you know, they we we kind of talked about it a little bit last week that maybe with the week off, maybe they were going to come out a little bit flat and, you know. But they like didn't. That's one thing they didn't yeah. do. They came out strong. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that strong play only, only lasted about 10 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like they seem to have a great game plan going in. Like, I mean, they, they were executing it superbly. I mean, they how many chances? They came so close early on in the game a couple of times. I mean, they could yeah. it could have been you know like one two nothing Canadians uh, about five minutes into the game, but the, Vegas ends up getting the first goal. You know, just it's, like it's sort one of, of those shot. things you see time and time again is and like I feel like you see it that it has a lot. I'm sure every fan base w- would say that they see it happen a lot. Is your team starts off strong, gets a few opportunities, but they if they don't manage to bury them then the other team can gets a bit of a fluky goal. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad goal. I mean, it was it was a situation where you'd like to see Toffoli kind of cover the shooting lane there. He kind of he kind of got an easy shot on it off the face off and and they score and all of a sudden that hot start disappears and they're down one nothing. And the thing with through this whole um, winning streak that the Canadians were, do, were doing so well, everything was they were doing amazingly. The one thing they haven't had to really deal with in their wins and that streak is coming back from, from, from losing, right? Like they haven't won a single game, like every, every single one of their wins because they had that streak and all that, they, they had the first goal. They always had the lead. They never have had to come back. And it's just, it seems like teams, if, and especially a team that has a defense that, uh, that the golden Knights have and just the overall team depth, if they don't get the first goal, it's very, very hard for this team to, uh, to get back into that game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Golden Knights obviously are, you know, a talented team. You know, we talked about it last week. They don't necessarily have those, those top and like top elite players like like maybe we saw uh, against Toronto. But, man, they have a lot of depth. And like you said, especially on defense, I mean, what a defense they have. 
And, uh, you know, contrary to the Canadians, the Golden Knights basically played their game plan to a T. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they exposed the lack of speed that the Canadians have on D. It was a te- what a terrible night for, for just about everybody on the Canadians' defense. Not that the forwards really that much better, but I mean they 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 did what they needed to do. Mark Andre Fleury was fantastic though as well. I mean the Canadians did had did have their chances, but I the mean, thing you know, I have with Fleury though, like I don't know if it's just because I'm so used to watching Price, and we've talked about how how the the way Price is so good is that he his positioning is phenomenal. You watch someone like Flurry, he like makes all the saves, but he always looks like he's out of position. But then he still ends up making the save. Like I don't know, there's something about him that it, I felt I kept feeling yesterday that were they were going to start getting some goals, but he would still get a pat on it. He'd still end up ma- making that save like versus Carey Price where he makes all these saves throughout the game. He makes some 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 beautiful ones too, but so so much of the time he's just always in perfect position and that's not what you see from Flurry and he looks beatable, but they just weren't able to really get through that much uh, on and like Gallagher had that huge chance when it was still nothing, nothing. I mean, Anderson had had the huge chance that uh, you you got to feel like Anderson keeps that puck on his stick for like a split second more, and it changes everything. And if the, the Canadians get the one nothing lead, who knows uh, what what happens next? But uh, yeah, like like you said, like they really kind of exposed our speed on the, on the back end, and just the passing in the offensive zone, it's just completely. It's like it's something we hadn't seen. Like even Toronto wasn't playing as well as far as the possession game and all that and passing the puck around, making Carey Price go from left to right, to right basically giving him no chance uh, to, to make a save. They were just doing everything beautifully. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they again, they really executed it to a T. I mean, they, they made Carey Price's life hard. Like, I mean, they always screened him in front. I mean, there were so many times where Price yeah. just – you know, couldn't see anything. And I mean, you know, even, even when Ben Sherrod wasn't screening him, they was, he was having a hard, hard time seeing oh, the man. puck. You know? I was so happy that RDS, not RDS, uh, Tivia showed that like replay of Ben Sherrod just kind of standing in front of Carey Price and Carey Price needing to count, kind of literally needing to tap him being like, get out of the way. And then immediately after they score, cause this is what I've like, I've been saying about Ben Sherrod. And I feel like with this run, there's this kind of misconception that our defense has, has done amazing. Our defense has done better than you would expect, but let's not get things mixed up. They've gotten bailed out by Carey Price time and time again, and specifically Ben Sherratt. I can think of, 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 of a handful of situations where he had a bad turnover and Carey Price just, just made a monster save to kind of save him, right? But there's there, there's a situation here where, where, one, we're not this far, but, but two, we're talking about the defense and how, how bad it's been because we don't have a goaltender who's bailing them out constantly, you know, like I, I'm still not happy with Ben Sherrod and Shea Weber being a one and number one and number two on a defensive unit playing 25 minutes a game. I'll tell you that much. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, they played, I mean, the defense as a whole played great against Toronto, Winnipeg, you know, just really nowhere really put up they didn't put up a fight at all, but I mean, yeah. we're seeing it again. We're seeing it, you know, like like we saw through at least the early parts of the series in Toronto, the, the, this defense just is that that lack of mobility is it, it just kills you because I mean, like, like you said, I mean, Carey Price really bailed them out a lot. I mean, you know, the defense like Sherratt, Weber, Edmondson. I mean, they've had they definitely had their moments. They've they've had some great moments in the in the playoffs, but uh, 
man, they, they really got to regroup. And it wasn't only them either. I mean, Kulak was awful. Romanov, I mean, he, you know, he had that great hit on Peter Angelo. See, I don't think that. Romanov was that bad. I, I've seen some people calling out Romanov. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he's, he, he's far from being the first name I'm taking out uh, of this lineup. I mean, I know Sherrod's not coming out of the lineup, even though I kind of feel like he should be the one coming out. But uh, if Jeff Petrie can play, I think Kulak is the obvious one out personally. But I'm thinking they're probably going to take off uh, Romanov because it seems to be what they, they've been doing. But I, I really didn't think he looked that bad, personally, at least. I mean, no, he, he, was, he wasn't he was the worst defense defenseman out there, that's for sure. Um, you know, he showed a little bit of, you know, you know just, just being a rookie. But, uh, no, I mean, is he the guy that I would take out? No, I would definitely be taking out Kulak or Ben Sherratt wouldn't wouldn't be bad either. But, uh, yeah, we all know Romanov's probably going to be, unfortunately, the guy that's going to be sitting. Yeah, because, like, Gustafsson is the other guy. And, like, he, as much as he has his issues defensively at times, there's no denying that he's helped a ton on the power play. Uh, but it seems like for some reason – the Golden Knights don't really get called. Like, I don't want to play the whole refs card. I don't even think it was that bad yesterday. I mean, a lot of the penalties that Canadians... Like, I don't have any issues with the penalties penalties Canadians took because most of them, unless I'm missing one, were, were deserved, you know? There was the... the, the that. But speaking of Ben Chirot, one of the worst puck over... Like, it reminded me of, uh, of Mitch Marner's puck over the glass yeah. penalty where no one around at all and he manages to shoot it on the complete other end of the air like what are you doing and anyway so but it seems like the golden knights they've perfected kind of clutching and grabbing and not getting called and if you if you, if you talk to fans of the minnesota wild and you talk to fans of the colorado avalanche they'll they'll say the same thing right that the, they went against minnesota i think seven periods without getting a penalty and Considering their style of play and the roster that they have, that just seems completely unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 just there's a lot of situations yesterday where you would have liked the Canadians to get an extra power play, and the power play wasn't looking bad when it did get opportunities. No, definitely. I mean, that's, that's definitely a pretty surprising stat. Um, but yeah, you know, they, and I mean, that's that's kind of the reality of playoff hockey too. Is that you really have to do something pretty bad or you know throw the puck over the over the glass to get but a isn't penalty? that so stupid right that the most common penalty seems to be the puck over glass or like too many men on the ice because the refs only call the ones that aren't like that there's not a judgment call you know that's black and away i hate that yeah i mean too many men you know that that's one thing i think but the whole puck over the over, over the glass that's stupidest one of maybe it's definitely one of the stupidest things I think in in hockey. Who is doing this on purpose? Like that it has to be called a penalty. I mean, yeah, like I don't remember it being that much of an issue. Like maybe it was, and I'm just misremembering. Like maybe like in a situation where, like I could see a team, like let's say there's an icing, your team has been on the ice for a long time. You get the puck on your stick, you just shoot it out of the over the glass, and then you know you, your players can change. But then you, you could easily fix that by just saying you can't change if you shoot the puck exactly. over the glass. You know, like right right there, that's that's resolved, you know. But I mean, how like I mean, I, f I feel like in these playoffs is the most I've seen it. Like I d it didn't happen this often in the regular season. At least I don't feel it did. And it just it, like it's so costly. No, you know early I mean? on in the season, we were it was happening because it's a thing. Ben Sherratt, I think, might 
is, is going for the record. Like he does <laughs> it a lot. I, re- I remember him early on in the year doing it a lot. I mean, I'm 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 obviously not the the biggest. Here's the thing. Like I don't I hate to come off as hating Ben Sherratt or even at times hating Shea Weber. I just hate them playing 25 30 minutes a game. And I know it worked out. Like you said, against Winnipeg. Like Winnipeg first of all, the, the biggest difference between Winnipeg and the Golden Knights were Winnipeg never adapted to the fact that d- dumping it behind the net Carey Price just gets it and starts the breakout, right? Like, they made the life of our de- defensemen so easy, and then it, it down on the other end, our forwards were able to kind of cycle the puck, keep the puck in their zone, and, and kind of abuse their weak defense in Winnipeg, whereas with the Golden Knights, it's looks like it's a team that's actually properly coached and if you notice they're kind of when they did dump it in they dumped it dumped it in the corner doing their best to keep it in the in the area where Carey Price is not allowed to handle it I mean that that makes a huge difference uh, right there because we know how good Carey Price can be at just grabbing the puck and starting the breakout on, on his own so so little things like that and then the cycle is not working quite as well for for the Canadians and then they're hitting our defensemen the way they hit our defensemen you, you just can't have like we were doing like it wasn't as bad against Winnipeg but you can't be doing what we did against Toronto where they were playing the defensemen the top four defensemen the entire game right and the bottom two were barely playing when you're playing a team that's hitting you like these this is the the Golden Knights are forget about it there's no chance there's no chance you're going to be able to survive that you kind of need to roll the whole the 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 entire unit unit yeah no uh, I mean definitely you know anyway I mean the 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 less we see Sherratt Weber, in my opinion, the better anyway, uh, you know, but it, yeah, we, I mean, some of these guys got to step up. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you hope that hopefully Petrie can get into the lineup here starting a game too. I mean, I, you know, I think it, it would have been a much different game if Petrie was there yesterday. I mean, but just, what worries know, me is the Petrie we're going to get the, yeah. the fact that he didn't play yesterday after a week off. I feel like he's probably going to play the next game, but man. Uh, I'm not, and I like I don't blame him, right? Like it's it's because of, but it's so unfortunate. Like the reality of this run, unfortunately, is if the Canadians were going to keep going on a deep run, like I'm not giving up. Anything can happen, but the reality is, the and the reality for every run that's ever happened is you need to have some good luck as far as injuries go. And the Canadians could not afford to lose their one puck moving defenseman in Jeff Petrie. It's the team's biggest weakness and he's the one guy that can kind of do it well while still being reliable defensively. And then he gets his fingers stuck in 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 in, in the in the boards in that in that hole for the, for the camera. It's like it's, it's honestly aside from Carey Price there is no worse injury on this team. Uh, no, I was just going to say the exact same thing. I mean, it's obviously aside from Carey Price there's not one other guy that you know, I think means this much to the Canadians and, and is that, you know, that, that like important to the Canadians. Cause obviously, I mean, they don't have another guy like, yeah. like you said, I mean, a guy that can move the puck like that, they, they just don't have it. I mean, you know, Gustafsson, Romanov, Kulak, you know, they, they, they can move the puck, but I mean, certainly not to the degree of Jeff Petrie. And, but, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, what a stupid, well, I mean, not stupid, but like an unfortunate, unlucky yeah. way to get a to get an injury like that. And like you said, I mean, who knows what? Yeah, so the the fact that he didn't play in game one means that obviously, you know, it's it's pretty serious. And uh, like the thing is that's gonna happen is he's gonna come in, 
and the 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 things that the things that we're saying we need him for is puck handling ability and his incredible wrist shot that he's kind of had some clutch goals throughout this season those things aren't going to be there right so it's still useful to have no, his speed and all that, but like I wouldn't be surprised if you see him fumble the puck a few times. It, it affects your confidence with the puck and all that. So, and like the the biggest example of how much of a need he is is you look at yesterday when they pulled the goaltender uh, for the last like I don't know four or five minutes, and I feel like Joel Edmondson was on the ice the entire time. I mean, look, I do not dislike Joel Edmondson. I he's a solid kind of. He's fourth or five sixth kind of defenseman, reliable in his own PK kind of guy. No issues with Joel Edmondson. But if Joel Edmondson's on on the ice for your team when you're trying to score two, three goals at the end of a game, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, Joel Edmondson, you know, when when he's playing his game, and you know, if you put him on in the right role, like we've seen this season, I mean, he he's been fantastic, a lot better than most of us thought he yeah. would be. But uh, yeah, that's that's not his game. <laughs> Certainly no. is not is not being an offensive defenseman. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully with Petrie back, you know, the other players will get get sort of more into their into their spots a little bit more, and we won't see you know Sherratt and Edmondson playing together at the same time, which is to me oh. a recipe for disaster. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, just because everybody was awful on defense, basically in the game one, what this, what sort of you know pairings we're going to get, who's going to be sitting. And I don't think they said anything about it, but late in the game, Shea Weber got hurt too, right? He he hurt his hand or something. They didn't show it too much on the broadcast, but you got to hope it's just a situation where it kind of stung or something like that because. Uh, you, we can't be losing more defensemen here on the uh, on, on the Canadians, you know. Like, well, there there was a. I mean, John Merrill apparently is is getting close to a return. Could potentially even play tomorrow. I mean, yeah, it's not he John wasn't Merrill's exactly a difference maker, you know. <laughs> no, no, for sure. I mean, he, you know, he he's had his good moments, but man, he he was really bad in the playoffs before he got injured. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe against his uh, his former team, maybe he'll be able to step it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, I feel like because I'm remembering, uh, like the big thing is the goaltending, right? Like, I, if Flurry plays the way he played in Game One, it's going to be next to impossible for, uh, for for us, uh, for the Canadians to win. And I don't know, like I'm remembering the the, the series we've had against Flurry in the past when it was with Pittsburgh, and he can have a bad game. Like, I feel like if you can get a goal on him. You, like you can knock him off his game a little bit, but at the same time, maybe I'm just thinking of a 10 years younger Flurry who maybe today he has a bit more kind of mental, no strength yeah. uh, than yeah. that because. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, we were talking about it in our in our chat yesterday there that you know Flurry. You know, I feel like historically when he's played, when we've played him in the playoffs, obviously when he was with the the Penguins, I mean, he always seemed to struggle against the Canadians. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, give up a, a yeah. you know a couple of bad goals, but yeah, like you said, that was at least ten years ago. Yeah, it's not more. <laughs> in yeah. Most cases, and so, he's yeah. actually himself talked about how in his younger days he used to kind of sometimes buckle under the pressure, where because he had that goal in. Uh, I want to say game six against Colorado, where it was a really, really bad goal. Like uh, whoever shot it was basically that no angle went top corner to end a period. 
And but after that, he kind of gathered gathered himself, and he had a, a great game to finish off. And that's not something you'd see from Flurry in the past, because like, when I remember when Flurry first entered the league, he was he was a huge prospect. But then he had that World Juniors where he kind of made that that error where he shot it off his own player, and it went in, and it kind of ruined Canada's chances. And then it that seemed to he that seemed to have affected him like long term almost. Like he would really buckle under pressure for a while. But I don't know, like, he it seems to be his year to really, because it is a great story, you know, because, like, he kind of got r- run out of Pittsburgh a little bit. He was he was on sitting on the bench for a few of their last runs, and then uh, for him to go to the expansion team, he already brought them to a, to a final, and then Leonard comes in, he, you think he's losing his position. He, that was the, that post by his uh, manager on Twitter last year with a sword in the back, super dramatic. And now, and now this year he's nominated for the Vezina and all that, you know. So he's one of those guys that, like, if we weren't playing against uh, Marc Andre Fleury, it's hard not to root for him, you know. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a good point for sure. He's had uh, had a great career, lots of ups and downs for sure. But uh, yeah, obviously having a hell of a season this year, nominated for the Vezina and. Yeah, man, he's getting it done during the playoffs, and he's going to be tough to beat. Cause, I mean, it's not Carey Price, man. If it wasn't for him last night, would have been I mean, six, no. seven, one. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, how about those tweets from like the? I think you retweeted one of them. Like, like Leafs media are so pathetic, man. It's like guys with check marks are saying things like, oh, "What would the score be if it wasn't for Price?" And the guy replies, oh, it, it would be three, three." Like, and he puts like Toronto, Vegas, because if it wasn't for Price. Toronto would be there and say, like, like guys, you lost. Like, get over it, man. <laughs> the, funny, the funniest to me was uh, it was the Toronto Sun that said that posted Habs loss uh, means me uh, helps with uh, Leafs Nation healing. Like, bro, like I, I, I get it. I am gonna be the first one to cheer against anyone that is playing the Maple Leafs, but to say that it's that it's like them losing is helping your team heal like that that's just pathetic to me and and like at the same time like i get it but like as passionate of fans we are in montreal when the canadians get eliminated we have like a day where we're kind of bummed and then like we move on and we go enjoy the fucking summer you know like like we wouldn't still be talking about like people wouldn't even be following this the, the, these playoffs anymore they'd be like oh, whatever let's go let's go enjoy the the patios reopening and and go have a few beers it's just so weird that there's still so many articles being written about it and that at this point they've been out of the playoffs for two rounds you know like like yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't I, I can't help but think of that meme from new from uh from Mean Girls. Uh, like why are you so obsessed with me? Like why are they so obsessed with us, man? Like, <laughs> dude, fig, look, figure out something else to do with your summer. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the as far as this series goes, I, I was thinking about it. Like once again, I'm not giving up. I still believe that we can beat this Vegas Golden Knights team. But when I see this defense and how, like, losing Petrie is so hard for this team, we need him back so much. And, like, the one worry I had with going on a run was that, like, I don't want this to confuse management into thinking that this is the team that we need going into next year, you know? Because it is a team that's performing above expectations, that has a, definitely a hot goalie that's that's doing great. And I, I do like what we have going on, on the forward group with the depth and all that, but... I don't want to go into next year with the same d- defensive core. You, you know what I mean? So, so part of me is like almost thinking too that like 
if like, I want them to win, if they can go seven and, and or six or seven and beat them, that's fantastic. Obviously, love that. But if I know for sure they're gonna lose, I'd almost rather they lose and like by a lot. You know, like like I don't care about the pride and all that. I'd rather they kind of get blown out in four games than lose in seven and then Bergman thing. Oh, we're just one piece away from winning the cup. Clearly, we were almost there. It's like nah, man. We still need. And the defense ain't getting better next year. It's getting worse, if anything. Like you know, Shea Weber's not getting any younger. It's just there, there needs yeah. to be a change on this defensive unit for sure. Yeah, and and apparently it's already done. That Mark Bergevin apparently is uh, already has I think a three or maybe even a four year uh, yeah extension. I'm fine with that. So yeah, I mean yeah that that's fine. But yeah, I, de- I definitely agree that I mean. You know, like you said, I mean, the forward group is is looking pretty decent, but man, this defense, like he's got to get out of the nineties. Yeah. You know, with some, of, I mean, we need some puck moving guys. You know, and and the one really puck moving, I mean, Victor Mete, I mean, he's not that great, but we could still use that kind of guy right yeah. now. You know, especially yeah. with Trio. Uh, I, I I don't know if he'd be playing anyways. I like I honestly don't think I just don't think they liked him, right? So I don't I don't think he'd be making that much. Of, like I agree that it kind of sucked to lose him for for nothing, but I don't know if it made that much a of a difference. It, as far as the Ford group those goes though, like like I hate to bring it up again, but you you look at the uh, the one line that hasn't been like the Suzuki line still been doing probably the best as far as offensive output. Uh, Cole Caulfield finally got his first goal on the power play, which is like fantastic. It was great seeing his family celebrate. Uh, like Toffoli got the like they got the the game winning goal in overtime at the end of game four. And then the Daniel line obviously has been great at shutting down and still producing like some uh, chances here and there. But as far as the Kudkiemi, Anderson, and Byron line, it's like Kudkiemi gets has those like it's like they have individual chances. It's like Kudkiemi will like. Do a great play on the four check, get the puck off of someone, and kind of get a chance. Anderson, once in a while, he gets a rush down the ice. Byron, I feel like I, once in a while, he has like a half breakaway, and then he goes for a shot and completely misses the net, or he gets blocked. If you had a guy like Duane there, man, it would have made. It would've, I feel like it would have made such a big difference. I feel like we're as much as this fan base loves to to shit on him, we're we're, we're paying the price for how we treated him, assuming that that's why he's not playing right now. Because I think it really helped this team to have him on that line instead of Paul Byron to generate a bit more offense and, and make them into a bit more of a complete line, you know? Because playmaking yeah. is missing, it seems like, on that line. No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, Yemi is he's... I mean, they all didn't really play very well in the last game. I mean, Kukinemi, he's definitely showed some, uh, you know, a lot a lot during the playoffs. Last last game really was was a struggle. Paul Byron, I mean, you know, uh, we we all know he's pretty limited at this point. I mean, he can definitely yeah. still provide that spark every once in a while. Josh Anderson, I mean, he hasn't done anything. He has one goal in the whole playoffs in 11 games. He's got to wake uh, up. And sure. his, his one goal was like five minutes into the first game yeah. like against Toronto. So, But he, he I mean, gets those flashes. Like he had a great chance yesterday. And he, he put his shoulder down. It looked like early season Josh Anderson. Like This is what it reminded me of. We were talking about early in the year where it looked like teams were surprised by his speed coming from such a big guy. It was almost like, oh, these Vegas Golden Knights defensemen, they don't know yet that he's actually fat. He did the, the thing he did a lot at the beginning of the year where he just kind of put his shoulder down and went around the guy. He had Flurry beat, honestly, if he kept the puck on his stick for like a half second more and went around him a bit more. But that that was a great play, and then you're like, oh, this is one of the games where Anderson's on. But then it felt like I didn't see him for the rest of the game after that. 
No, exactly. I mean, and, and it's so frustrating to watch him because when he's on, like he is a dominant, dominant player. And like, we, man, we've seen flashes throughout the season. I mean, especially at the beginning of the season. I don't know if he's hurt, but you know, I mean, yes, it's not all about scoring goals with Josh Anderson because he brings more to the game. You know, he he brings that physical presence. But man, like, I feel like he gets such such a like a, a a pass from all the fans that oh okay no Josh Anderson's only scored one goal but now nah, that's fine he hits everybody yeah well, bro man like he's making five and a half million for the next seven years he better do more than just throw the body around a little bit and he's such and I, I love Josh Anderson I mean he's great I'm I'm happy we went out and got him but man he's got to pull his weight and in the defensive zone oh, he's such a liability like yeah. he doesn't do anything he's he, he, he's got to show more than that one or two flash a game where he, he, he kind of gets a speed burst and, and gets a chance because it's, it's not going to pull, it's not going to cut it. it. It just seems to me like that line doesn't have the chemistry that you see with the other lines. It's like you have, like I said, the, the Dano and Gallagher line, Lekkonen slotted right in perfectly as a kind of a shutdown line. Then obviously nothing bad to say about Toffoli, Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Like they've been the whole playoffs, our best offensive line for sure. And then, we all have seen what Armia, Stahl, and Perry have done together, the way they kind of control the puck at the bottom. It's like we have these three lines that have great chemistry and that you don't want to break apart because they work well together. And it's like the other line is just the players we have left, and they can all individually have flashes of good things, but it, I'm like, it's like they don't necessarily play well together. You know what I mean? Like It hasn't really been clicking. You don't really see these moments – between these players where there's a nice nice passing nice like when they when, when they do have goals it, it seems to be coming from kind of like a, a big four check you know like a, a, a four check creating a turnover you'll see that once in a while and i think all three are good at that that's one thing they're good at but as far as they have control of the puck and now they have to generate something it's like nothing really happens there you know like it's when they have scored whether it's cutting Amy's goal in overtime or he had that four check he did too i mean paul byron when he scored it was uh it was on the pk anderson i don't even know if this line was together when he scored in the first game so it's all these different kind of on the rush off of versus like you see the suzuki suzuki line will, will create these beautiful plays in the offensive zone like i said the stall line they're they're kind of working the the bottom of the zone like shuffling the puck around the zone it's there's way more chemistry there and you just don't see it as much of that line there's like something missing uh and that's why i can't help but think Dwayne would slot in perfectly there i mean there's no, there's, there's honestly no point of talking about it because we know he's not coming back but it's just it's just so sad you know like just just the fact that he can't enjoy this run too with with uh, with the team is so sad. It just I just wish he was there. Uh, and not to take anything away from Byron, but I just feel like he would slot perfectly right in there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you, you know, you'd you'd love to you'd love to see him. And and yeah, I mean, not just for the te- for what he'd bring to the team, but I mean, you know, he he deserves to be a part of this too, right? You know, I mean, for everything he's gone through and. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely can't expect him to be back in these playoffs. And I, I think even to see him in a Habs jersey again, I think, yeah. is a bit of a stretch. But. Yeah, but uh, we don't even know really what's what's going on with him. Like, we're speculating it has to do with uh, the the kind of backlash and stuff. But, like, we all remember how it happened, right? With uh, He was at practice, and all of a sudden he talked to the coach and he needed to leave. So who knows what's going on there. It's just that we know he, he messaged the team and all that, but it's just – there's something missing on that line and 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 we need all the help we can get like it, that that's the thing 
for this run to be good, we, this team needs to be lucky. And 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 there, there's always luck involved. Like you look at teams, it's happened to a bunch of teams in the playoffs where injuries completely derailed a run, right? Like a, I think of the Buffalo Sabers team years ago, like ten years ago at this point, that they lost their whole defensive core, right? Like the Canadians haven't lost their whole defensive core. But they lost one guy. It's the one guy they couldn't lose. Uh, really, what can save this series for the Canadians is Petrie coming back. And I don't know, something happens between tonight and tomorrow, and all of a sudden Petrie's hands or fingers are feeling a bit better, not bothering him as much. But the, like we know he needs surgery, right? So it's just it's so frustrating that that it's. I'm not saying that they would necessarily beat them, but it would that it would be so much more competitive with Petrie in the lineup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's he's obviously a huge piece. And yeah, I mean, again, it's only one game. The Canadians definitely had their moments in, in game one. I mean, you know, it was, it was basically the first 10 minutes of the game. But I mean, still, they, they definitely show that they can compete with them. But, you know, I mean, to, to be able to beat the Golden Knights, they're going to have to be, you know, essentially everything's going to have to go right for the Canadians. Carey Price yeah. is going to have to continue to play on his head. And, you know, I mean, we're we're definitely going to need a healthy Jeff Petrie and and we're gonna need the, you know, need our big guys to produce certainly. I mean, if I could get a few more goals from Caulfield, I wouldn't be mad either. I mean, I, that 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 was definitely the highlight of the game yesterday. It's unfortunate that it got taken away from us so quickly. Like, uh, there's nothing more deflating. There's there was a few deflating moments in yesterday's game, which can be looked at as as a bit as of a, of a positive in the sense that you don't like your team getting deflated, but in the sense that like. Like it's the type of goals that really hurt a team, right? Like in the first period, the first goal, the team was dominating, playing playing well. Then a bit of a fluky goal goes in from the point where the goaltender didn't see anything, and then there, there, there was there was other goal. But then Cole Caulfield makes it a one goal game. The kid gets his first goal. The team is hyped. Everyone's excited. We're seeing his his family celebrating in the stands, and then immediately after the bit, they get a bit of a fluky goal to get the two the two goal lead back and. That just takes the, the the win out of your sails completely. But but but, but I, I, to get back to the Caulfield goal, you gotta love his brother, who by the way looks exactly like him, wearing the goal the goal Caulfield T-shirt. You gotta love that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a great moment, and I'm sure the first of many hmm. playoff goals for sure. Um, yeah, I mean just that that goal right after like less than a minute. I mean the Canadians finally scored. Cut the lead yeah. in half. It's two one. They have good. a bit of momentum, and then bam, and, you know, it goes off. Like I think it took three, three guys. Deflections. Yeah, yeah, three, three, and three unintentional deflections. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's one thing when it's a nice tip or something like that, but it, I forget who it hit first. But it hit uh, one of our players trying to block the shot, and then it, it hit the whoever the defenseman was uh, covering the other guy. Then it hit. Uh, the what was it? Janmark, I think, on on the Golden Knights, yeah. and and then it goes in. So. It's, it's kind of like one of those things where it is what it is. You look at the the goals yesterday. Is there a single goal that you can blame on Carey Price? And <laughs> it's I'm I, I you gotta give props to the Golden Knights because they were they were prepared. Like they weren't taking because sh- you know like in Toronto we were talking about how it got in the, their head that they couldn't beat Carey Price. But it's like they got there right. Like they, they didn't they showed up game one thinking they can beat Carey Price, and then after a few games they realized they couldn't, and then they couldn't adjust. The Golden Knights went into this game being well aware that Carey Price is on fire and could steal the series right now. And they adapted to that because the type of goals they were they, they were doing there, the, the type of plays, like on the the Shea Theodore fake shot that 
to, to then pass it to Martinez when he scored. Like, so things like that. They know that they can't just do a straightaway shot on, on, on Price and he's going to stop it. Or, or you need to, to have people in front of the net blocking his view, everything like that. Like, they... They, they they did their research. This is a, this is a well coached team, and we got to see if Dushan can answer the bell in, in response to that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, they 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 played they played their game to a T, and you know, we talked about it when when we played against Toronto, how they have that sort of that. I mean, I guess not a losing culture, but you know, they 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 sort of are synonymous with choking, right? Oh I yeah, mean, and it, it gets in your head quickly, right? Like you yeah. start to feel it coming. Oh, it's happening again. Oh no, you saw it in Matthews's eyes. You saw it in Marner's eyes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah, and, and that's the opposite of the Golden Knights. I mean, they've yeah, they've so had true. success since they've been in the NHL. They have this winning culture. So that, true. You know, I mean, if if things go badly for them, they they stay confident. They they know they've been there before, and and yeah, that's 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 what we saw from the Golden Knights last night. I mean, they they got off to a bit of a rough start. The Canadians look good, and they. They knew exactly what they had to do, how they had to beat Carey Price, and and they followed their game plan to a T. And, but the, the point a lot of people were making, which I love, first of all, the Golden Knights have lost game one in both their series. It's, it's one game. Like People freak out. They oh. lost against Colorado like 7-1 to one in the first game. You know, so, 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 so it's far from over. And you, like I said, there's, there was some puck luck. There were some deflating goals. It's, nothing was going in Montreal's way. Right? There, there were saves made by Fleury. Where he was immediately looking behind him, so there's a little luck there, right? He 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 kind of you know I don't want to take anything away from him necessarily, but it, it's not like one of those performances that Price has where he looks unbeatable. Like Flurry didn't look unbeatable yesterday. He 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 was playing very good, and he he he's, he's very acrobatic. He can make those saves, but he, I I I, th- I do think they could have beat him had they had the opportunities. So, yeah. I mean- you know, before the series, like there was a lot of like, but before even Vegas won the series against Colorado, there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, no matter who wins in, you know, in in the in the North Division series, and no matter who wins this series, I mean, they're going to crush, you know, either the Jets or the Canadians because they're so much better than the Canadians and Jets. I didn't see that last night. I mean, they they definitely outplay the Canadians, but I mean, the, the Golden Knights are definitely beatable. They're not that amazing. They they played a great game yesterday. Like the and, Wild brought them to seven. The the Wild are yeah. much better, if at all, than the Canadians. No, exactly. I mean, they're, they're definitely beatable, and uh, you know, I, I don't think they're a bad matchup either for the Canadians. The Canadians just have to follow their game plan and play like they've played in, in you know against in the in the second half against Toronto and against Winnipeg. And and I mean, I I definitely think that they can come back and and make this a great series and definitely beat them. And, and you don't want to call game two must win, but it'd be, it'd be obviously very difficult coming back from, from, from O2. One thing that was interesting is all that, all this talk about they're going to have a full arena there. Like, I don't know if it was the mixing and of, of like the broadcast and all that, but it didn't sound that loud. And also I was losing my mind at that damn beach ball. Like, come <laughs> on, man! Seriously, man, it's the playoffs. You're the third round, like, that's embarrassing. Like, it's only like it's like it, it only needs to be one fan, but like that wasn't that that ball, like that beach ball, was not far from landing on the ice. Like, imagine <laughs> that happens. How embarrassing! Know, like, oh, and the announcer for the Knights has to be. I mean, that's extremely Vegas, right? I know they're doing it on purpose. I'm sure some people eat it up, but he's so damn annoying. It's like it takes him 
like two minutes to announce a goal. Like, get to the point, guy. <laughs> Everything is so over the top. But, hey, I guess that's what it is. It's Vegas, right? It's Vegas. It is what it is. But they did announce today, just before we started recording, uh, that uh, the 2,500 will now be 3,500. I mean – you're you're adding a thousand people. That that that's that's not insignificant, right? And assuming they're all going to be in the lower bowl, it's going to fill out the lower bowl a little bit a bit more. Uh, so uh, it'll be it'll be a bit louder. And based on what I've heard from the the Vegas Golden Knight, I don't think it's that big of a difference. Uh, no. Thirty five hundred Montreal fans versus however many Vegas fans, you know. No, definitely. I mean, uh, I mean, any fans in attendance. I mean, I think they're going to be super loud, right? So it's yeah. I mean, hopefully the Canadians can win game two, and get, you know come back home with a one-one uh, tied-up series. But uh, no, I mean, uh, like you said, I mean there, there was a lot of people on Habs Twitter yesterday that you know the game wasn't even over yet, and and I mean the series was already over. Like it's mm-hmm. the, like everybody was already declaring, ah, oh, the Canadians are going to get swept. It's over. I mean, the, they, we've been down this path before with this team just a few weeks ago. They can. I'm, I'm not betting. I would never bet against this team again. No. And, no, I no mean, definitely not. No. They they didn't look. To, you know, they they definitely had much worse moments against Toronto. So I'm oh, not too absolutely. Too worried. Absolutely. For me, it's really just the Petrie thing, and it's just unfortunate, right? Like this team needed to be a hundred percent healthy. Like they and they had been very lucky. Like the fact that they were able to get through. Like those last few games against Toronto, playing the top four, the crazy amounts of minutes they were, and then the three games, the three first games against Winnipeg or whenever Petrie got hurt, without any of the top four getting hurt, is, is honestly crazy. They, there was a lot of luck involved there, and then for, but then for the injury to come on such a dumb fluke play, it's like it's like we we just we went through this last time we went to the conference final and and Carey uh, Price got injured, and I feel like it's not getting as much. It's not getting talked about as much how big of a deal losing Jeff Petrie is to this team. Like obviously it's like I like we said before, it's not as big as if it was Price, but it's number two, and it's yeah. it's almost like people aren't talking about it. Maybe it's because the general media still thinks Shea Weber is better than Jeff Petrie, which is preposterous. But Jeff Petrie is is a crucial part of this team. We've said it all year. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I mean I don't I don't know if if maybe it's just because. Most people, I think, were expecting Petrie to play last night. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't play game four against Winnipeg because, you know, I mean, whatever. It was game four. We were already up 3-0. He just got injured. But, yeah. uh, you know, if, if he had to play, he'd, he'd play. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, so yeah, it's, it's kind of – Yeah. So that's, I think that's that's sort of what it is. But, man, yeah, you definitely got to hope he's going to be in game two because, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. All right, so that this is so. Do you have any predictions for uh for for game two to start at least? Like, do you, do you think they win one in Winnipeg? Uh, in Winnipeg, Jesus, in Vegas. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna. The, the, I mean, they definitely have to make some adjustments, but uh, yeah, I think they'll come out and win. Uh, it's it's gonna be a close game. I think most of the games in the series are gonna be close, but uh, I'll say they uh, they win it three to two. Three to. T- I mean, I I have a hard time giving a prediction without knowing who's playing. Like I really think it's gonna be hard for this team to win without uh, Petrie slotting in, but I'm gonna say we're gonna have a masterful performance from Price. Not that he didn't play well uh, yesterday, but he's gonna play even better, and 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 we'll 
will squeak out a win, but I'll say something like more like a 2-1 or even a 2-0 kind of with an empty netter where, where Carey Price really steals the show for uh, for the Canadians. Once that's back in Montreal, like even if they go down 2-0, like I, I really believe in this team and back in Montreal getting getting some wins. Like I think yeah. I think with with the the thirty five hundred that sound like twenty uh tw- like the twenty one hundred or whatever the the guy said on on the broadcast that everyone keeps memeing. I mean it's it I think that's gonna go a long way and uh it, it's it's gonna be huge for the uh, for the, the players. So even if they do lose, I'm I, I'm not ready to, nowhere near ready to give up and I think they'll play well in Montreal. But it, it, we we need a, a huge stealing the game performance from Carey Price uh, in tomorrow's game. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, uh, well, it's, it's like they always say. I mean, you're only in trouble when uh, you're not in trouble until you lose a game at home. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. So, so moving on, I think we had a Twitter question, which is actually more of an off-season question, which just says a lot. What Habs fans already feeling like it's over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got a Twitter question from Hugh. Uh, so that's at Hugh seven 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 on Twitter. Uh, how many openings on the Habs roster next season for prospects and who will win a spot on the big team? I mean, you know, obviously it's kind of a hard question to answer because, I mean, who knows exactly what's going to happen? Uh, are they Especially with re-sign? the expansion draft. Well, especially with the expansion draft. And are they going to re-sign Dano, which I think they will. Armia, I think, is probably going to get re-signed to... Tatar, you got to figure it out. I don't. More. I don't think Army is going to resign. I think. I think Army is going to test free agency uh, to see what someone's willing to give him, and I think someone's going to give him too much money. Like I like Army. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's the type of player that a GM can be in love with. You know, like the big body and like, and he has he had flashes in the playoffs, earning himself a bit of a paycheck, and I can see a team overpaying for him. Because like yeah. they're exactly they're gonna give him like a Josh Anderson type contract, you know what I mean? Like it's the same type of situation where they've been desperate for a big body for years. There's one on the free agent market, and they and they and they give him they give him that big contract, you know? Yeah, actually, you're probably actually, that, that's that's not a bad point. And I mean, at the same time, how happy is he really with the role that he's playing with the Canadians? You know, I mean, right? True. He's generally in the bottom six. And I'm sure he'd love a chance to get in, you know, play for a, a bad team, you know, in the top top six. So I mean, you got to figure there's probably going to be like two spots open on offense, um, on defense. I mean, I don't know if there's really any spots. Well, open the, the thing on defense, what's interesting is, and it goes into another story from is the, the guy that I would would have been very curious to see his camp and if he can get a spot is Otto Liskinen, uh, with uh, how good he did in. Uh, uh, in uh, in Laval this year, and but now he just signed in Finland, right? He he was the guy that I was thinking because I'm thinking this team, if they don't lose Jake Allen uh, at the expansion draft, they lose one of the defensemen, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it, it probably comes down to you know like Jake Allen, maybe Ben Sherrod or Joel Edmondson. You would think that they they potentially be looking at. Yeah, I mean, Otto Liskinen definitely would have been. Uh, I mean, I think I thought he could have helped the Canadians at points this season. So, yeah, d- definitely sad to see him go. But I mean, well, to get back to the question, I mean, I think the guys that you're probably going to see. So you're probably going to have like two forward spots open there, and I definitely think you know Paling. Ryan Paling, yeah, is is probably going to be a shoe in, you know. And and aside from that, I mean, I don't know if there's really any other young guys that can make the leap. But there's not that many spots. I mean, Evans oh. has has his spot secured, I think. And then Caulfield's yeah. in, obviously. And, and like, it, like, is, is does Perry want to come back for one more year, kind of thing, you know? And 
Like I, I don't I don't think there's that many spots uh, on the on the forward group. Uh, of course, that's assuming they sign Dano. Which I, 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 the thing is, if they don't sign Dano, you almost think they're going to go get someone else. Uh, who knows? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so at the end of the day, I mean, I think Ryan Feeling's probably the only guy that, that makes a jump at least to start the season. And, but on uh, defense, let's say hypothetically, they let's say they lose Ben Sherratt, okay, which which I think is a possibility. I, I would hope they would protect Edmondson over Sherratt, considering he's younger, more years on his contract, uh, and not that like they both have the same the same cap at three point five. But at Edmondson, you know, you have him a few more years, so it kind of forces you to expose Sherratt because you're not gonna. I think they should just expose Shea Weber because I don't think he get p- picked up regardless. It's kind of of a free protection, yeah. but I feel like they're I feel like they're gonna protect him anyways, just out of like quote unquote respect. So I could definitely see Ben Chirot getting picked up, and then if Ben Chirot gets picked up, it kind of opens up a spot unless they go get someone else. So then who's that young defenseman? Assuming Romanov has the spot, does this Kale Fleury get another chance to be an everyday defenseman, or or is it is it another younger guy like c- c- coming in for for his spot? Is there someone else you can see taking the jump? No, <laughs> there's the. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think Kale Fleury makes the most sense. You know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries this season, and he mm-hmm. was and when he was healthy, wasn't that great. So. You know, I mean, he he would be the logical choice, but I mean, hopefully he's going to be able to come back healthy. Um, but aside from that, no, there's really nobody on defense at this point uh, that that you would that you could see making the jump. So like the young guys, the the Ghoulies and the the Brook and the Norlander, those guys you think are still a, f- a few few years away. At least at least they they need some time in in the AHL to start the year before they can make a jump. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, there's there's no guys, you know, that that are going to be able to make the jump. I don't think right right off the bat. Basically, unless they have a, a, a one of those surprising camps where they kind of blow everyone away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting, and it, yeah, you know, we're we're gonna have to see how the how expansion draft uh, plays out first, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I really like it's defenseman to the Canadians. Uh, like it, it could be Jake Allen. It definitely could be. But at the same time, it's kind of a like I feel like they get. I mean, I, it, I don't know. It makes who the sense, other but they, they they get they get more like because a goalie, assuming Jake Allen would be their backup, you know, because uh, there'll, there'll be other goalies available. Like I feel like, like I don't know, like if you're if you're building an if you look at what the what the Knights did, like I remember they drafted a ton of defensemen, and then they ended up flipping some for for picks and stuff. Uh, you kind of can never have too many defensemen, right? So. That's why I feel like whoever they don't protect between Edmondson and Sherratt is the one who gets picked up, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, yes. It, I, I guess I could see that. I mean, Allen, you know, who knows who the other goalies – I mean, I, I don't know all the goalies for every single team. I'm assuming there's all there's going to be some other great goalies out there too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Jake Allen, you know, the way he played, he showed he could – I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a, a starting goaltender that you're going to rely on all the time, but – you know, as part of a tandem, he, he's definitely a great option. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ben Sherrod and Edmondson, I'm sure, you know, they could probably be pretty tempting as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays but, out. And then obviously like, a lot of free agents. Think of a guy like Ben Sherrod. If you, if you just look at the, the, the numbers and the minutes he's playing and all that, you could, I could definitely see a GM convincing himself to, uh, to take him. But then, then I think maybe our team wants to protect him. So I, I, it's it's hard it's hard to say. I mean, it's all speculation. We're not there yet, anyways. But it's interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could also see them uh, protecting Sherrod. I mean, uh, yeah, that was that wouldn't really surprise me either, unfortunately. 
But then it's Edmondson that, that, that it, that's exposed. Right? And Edmondson's three years younger than Sherratt. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Especially seeing how the, the, all the chemistry him and, and Petrie have developed so early on. Yeah, I, I'm definitely keeping Edmondson ahead of Sherratt. I mean, that's that's definitely. I mean, for me, that's definitely a no-brainer. Like, it, it's a no-brainer for me too. It really is, but I just don't think it is for uh, for management. You know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I'm really curious to, like, obviously, I'm excited for the current playoffs, but I'm always so excited for the off season, and, and because the Canadians are on a, on a bit of a deep run, even if they get. I was said quickly by Vegas, the turnaround between then and just quickly being uh, playing um, uh, quickly going into the offseason stuff. Uh, I, I'm excited for that, especially when you have an expansion draft this year. So there'll be plenty to talk about uh, for that, too. And then the the last thing really to talk about. So the, the Lions. So I don't think last week they had announced that it was the Lions yet. Right. That, that happened fairly recently. The name. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's great. We have a we have a new name. I mean, I mean, the, the name is whatever, but that logo is incredible. Dude, it's yeah, it's an amazing logo. Honestly, I mean, I can't say enough about the logo for sure. You yeah, know, it's, it's, and mean, it's unanimous. Like I haven't seen a negative comment about the logo uh, no. at all. It, it's it's like I want to get some merch, like with, and I've never really cared to get that much, like even rocket merch or like I, I barely buy canadians merch because it's too damn expensive but man i want a hoodie with that with that logo on it it's it's that's it's really really sick yeah definitely man it's, it's exciting that all uh, they named uh, their head their first head coach in uh, in history today eric belanger so former uh, well former nhl i played with a bunch of teams off the top of my head i don't remember exactly who i believe with the rangers and uh I, th- I feel like he was with the L.A. Kings for a while. Oh, yeah, th- that's what I meant. Yeah, the Kings, not the Rangers. I don't know, maybe he'll play with the Rangers. But anyway, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, he's he's not the, the most experienced guy, but, I mean, you know, it's the ECHL. Yeah, that, that, that's ECHL. what I was wondering. As, as a coach, As a coach, I don't really know of a, a lot of experience he would have. No, exactly. No, he he coached. I believe it was tri- midget triple A. Okay. Uh, so, and that's that's about the extent uh, of his coaching. But uh, no, it's well. Good. That's it's exactly what the CCHL team's for, right? Yeah, that's what you want no, to exactly. see. You know, you yeah, want exactly. These, these guys getting their opportunities. Like he's like 43 years old. He's he's very young, like as far as being a coach, right? So. Yeah, and he said today, you know, one of the one of the quotes that he said today, you know, he's he, he's looking forward to winning with as much Quebecer Quebec-born players as possible, which, you know, I, th- I think is is sort of one of the big things, one of the big mandates, obviously, for this team is to is to be sort of a pipeline for those Quebec-born yeah. players coming from the queue and hopefully making it to the to the AHL and the NHL one day. So, I mean, I think it's going to be great for the Canadians, first of all, to get some of their lower level prospects, you know, kind of like a Michael McNiven where he's been struggling to get playing time. He'll be able to go there uh, and, and get those Quebec born players that coming out of the queue that don't have other homes. I mean, they can play there and uh, it's going to be great for the Habs. Where it's huge is like, cause you have these players that like, they don't get drafted and they have skill and, and they're in that kind of tough situation where, okay, do they still want to dedicate their lives to hockey and they maybe have a very slim chance of making it a bit higher if they do, but then there's no team locally, so they have to kind of go 
play in the ECHL maybe and like there, there there isn't it's not exactly a league that has the most exciting cities to play for where you have to go to Europe and they don't have to they want to don't want to do that maybe they don't want to leave the the their their home province so they end up kind of giving up the dream so that, that, that's a situation where you have an op- a place for local guys that are kind of on that f- fringe of being they just need maybe a little bit more development and maybe they become something and that's where they get the opportunity to play yeah so i mean you love to see even if it's not just you know of course you don't see a lot making the jump from echl to nhl you do see some but i mean you're going to see a ton on the on the on the laval rocket you know that the, the, that's going to be great for that team that's for sure and it's never bad to have a farm team that that wins that does well right like it breeds that winning culture no, definitely. I mean, and, and one of the issue, uh, a big issue for the Rocket, really, the first two seasons that, that, that they were in Laval was depth. I mean, you know, that when they had injuries and the Canadians had injuries, they were constantly scrambling to find players. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to give them their own farm team and, and give give them added depth. So, I mean, it's it's great all around. Great for, for Quebec. Great for the Canadians. Great for the Rocket. And it's just great news. And, uh, I mean, we already got our hotel book to go watch yeah. it, man. Really, really looking forward to that. Uh, that's the thing. It's is a fun town, too. Like, we went a couple of years ago for that uh, music festival they, they they had there. It's it's not, like, the the most exciting place to go. But they have a few fun pubs. And uh, we we had, we definitely had a good time when we went. So it's it's a fun road trip for, for a long weekend, you know, to just catch a couple you know, hockey games at a relatively high level. It's still pretty high level in the ECHL. Then... You know, go out for a few nights and, and have a good time. You just you can never have too much of those opportunities uh, nearby, you know. Uh, definitely, and uh, no, look, definitely looking forward to it, and uh, and and look, looking forward to seeing what they can do and and how it, you know, how how it helps to have the organization. All right, so I can't wait for that too. But first, uh, we gotta we gotta play these more games against uh, the Golden Knights. So I mean, uh, I think that'll do it for uh, for this week's episode. We'll be back next weekend. Honestly, we'll either be ecstatic or we'll be a little bit depressed. I mean, there, there's there's really uh, no in between at this point. If if we're still alive in a week's time and and kind of fighting for uh uh for some wins, then hey, that that that's good news. I mean, we never expected to sweep this team. Uh, if not, hey, like I just said, there's a lot of exciting offseason things uh, uh to come. But uh, but I still believe in this team. I think they're gonna make this uh. Uh, this competitive and I think Jeff Petrie comes back hard so uh, that does it for today as always thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next week